Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Friday, April 7th, 2023. It's been 3,327 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27th, 2014 and 408 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine war. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Commands North, South, and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with our assessment of the current status of the war. First, we maintain there is a significant chance of a large-scale Russian missile strike between April 7th and April 14th due to current activity by the VKS and Black Sea Fleet and the upcoming religious holidays of Catholic Easter and Orthodox Easter. Second, we maintain that Russian white nationalism, connected to the Russian Orthodox Church and senior policymakers within Russian President Vladimir Putin's orbit, are fueling religious and racial tension. Third, the Russian Federation armed forces are combat ineffective and have moved to defensive operations in the Vukhledar, Marinka and Avdiivka operational areas. Fourth, we maintain that the Ukrainian defense of Bakhmut has reached its final phase. Fifth, we continue to assess that short of using chemical, biological, radiological, or nuclear, also known as Seaburn, weapons, the Russian military will continue doing everything possible to capture Bakhmut, regardless of the cost. Sixth, Russian forces are experiencing a theater-wide shortage of non-precision artillery munitions, particularly anti-tank guided missiles, or ATGMs, which is being made worse by offensive operations in Bakhmut. Seventh, the risk of a nuclear accident due to the de-energization of Ukraine's electrical grid remains as long as the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, targets Ukraine's power industry. And finally, We maintain that the Kremlin is actively interfering with the governments of Moldova and Georgia to derail the European Union membership accession process and destabilize their current governments. One year ago yesterday, on April 6, 2022, Russian forces released photos and videos of themselves at the Hora Kremlinets World War II Memorial, located on the city's southern edge. We had assessed that Russian forces were preparing for an offensive push towards Slovyansk from Izum, writing, quote, This will be the next major battlefield in Ukraine and is key to the success of Russia's eastern strategy, end quote. Mykolaiv was hit by rockets fired by MLRS, injuring 55 people. In Mariupol, heavy fighting continued, with Ukrainian forces entering their 36th day of being in an operational encirclement. We wrote, quote, 
the fierce resistance of the Ukrainian military far exceeds the force's capabilities. End quote. Heavy fighting continued in Marinka, Popazna, west of Severodonetsk and Rubizhne. We assessed, quote, Russia is assembling forces in Bilgorod, and a larger offensive around Severodonetsk is expected in the coming days. End quote. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg said there was unanimous support to accept membership requests from Sweden and Finland. In recently liberated Trostyanets, civilians were found outside the city with hands bound, eyes taped, and executed. The town's mayor reported that Russian tanks arrived in the city during the occupation and fired 30 rounds into a newly built hospital for no reason. A video showed Georgian volunteers executing a Russian soldier and evidence that two more had been killed near Kyiv. An interesting footnote, the ruble closed at 81.5 on April 6, 2022, just a fraction away from its exchange rate a year later. Let's get some regional updates, starting with Kharkiv. In the Dvorichna operational area, the Russian MOD reported continued fighting between squad and platoon-sized units in the area of Peshotravneve. Otherwise, the rest of the region and the Kupiansk operational area were stable. Moving on to the Donbass region in Luhansk. In the Svatova operational area, fighting between squad and platoon-sized units continued on the eastern edge of Novoselivsky, with no change in the situation. In Kuzimivka, a drone video showed a Russian MT-12 100mm anti-tank gun firing toward the train station at Novoselivsky. The gun was destroyed by counter-battery fire. Based on this intelligence and the direction of the fire, we made a small adjustment to the map, moving the line of conflict to the east of the train station. The Russian MOD also reported fighting among squad-sized and platoon-sized units in the area of Andreevka for the second day in a row. There aren't any second source reports, pictures, or videos, so we can't confirm the report's veracity. In the Kremina operational area, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported another failed attempt by Russian troops to advance in the direction of Nevsky. You remember what I said about them learning things? I, 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 I rescind that. Fighting continued in the forests and tree lines south of Kremina with no significant changes reported. Russian propagandist Radyan Miroshnik reported that the, quote, immediate front line is four to five kilometers from Kremina's administrative boundary. If true, it would imply that the advanced Russian lines toward Torske, Terny, and Yampolivka have been pushed back. We didn't update the map, but current intelligence indicates that the most advanced Russian positions are 13 kilometers west of Kremina. That's not a pedantic difference. The GSAFU reported fighting in the Serebriansky woods. In the Lysychansk operational area, Russian forces renewed their attacks on Bilohorivka, the one in Luhansk, suffered losses and fell back to their defensive positions. In northeast Donetsk, in the Siversk operational area, positional fighting south of Spirna continued in the same area of trees where close combat has been ongoing. There was no change in the situation. In the Bakhmut operational area, mercenaries with PMC Wagner attacked Ukrainian positions near Orikhova-Vasilivka and were unsuccessful, 
Wagner continued attacks north and east of Bogdanivka, suffered heavy losses, and was forced to retreat to their previous defensive lines. In northern Bakhmut, fighting north of Rose Alley and on Zelena Avenue continued, with no change in the situation. The most intense fighting in Ukraine continues to be in the center of Bakhmut. Mercenary mill blogger Rybar reported that the SK Metallurgical Stadium, the Hotel Bakhmut, and the Hotel Atlantic were still under Ukrainian control. Mercenary mill blogger Wargonzo validated our map updates from April 5th, reporting the state police station on Privokzalna Street was still under Ukrainian control. Wargonzo leader Semyon Pegov shared a selfie from the, quote, center of Bakhmut, claiming the entirety was under Russian control. The picture was taken 500 meters west of the Bakhmutovka River and 600 meters north of School No. 5 at the northern edge of the Martinova Palace of Culture. The area is one block from the bombed-out Bakhmut tax office and away from the area of the most intense fighting. Ukrainian volunteer Ole Petrenko claimed that PMC Wagner had taken control of the Church of All Saints west of the SK Metallurgical Stadium, implying that Ukrainian forces are encircled. Russian sources have not claimed to have encircled or captured the stadium, while Ukrainian sources state the situation is critical. We did not adjust the map and are awaiting additional confirmation. A video circulating on Ukrainian social media reportedly shows two Russian VDV soldiers surrendering in Bakhmut. This is the first visual confirmation of VDV fighting in the city. Russian state media released a Chechen-grade fake combat video with PMC Wagner. In the video clip, one Wagner mercenary reloads his weapon while no one else maintains cover fire, and he never leaves his exposed position. Another Wagnerite struggles to figure out how to reload his weapon. Russian state media cuts away to a short clip of a possible dead Ukrainian soldier who has already been stripped of his boots. A Ukrainian video showed the impact of night shelling on the city, with the central district on fire. As with most of the photos and videos we reference here on the podcast, we do link to them in our full situation report on Patreon. There were conflicting reports on the situation in the southern and southwestern regions of Bakhmut. Fighting on Korsunskoho Street was described as positional. While some reports stated there was heavy fighting near Avantgarde Stadium, Others reported the operational tempo had decreased. It has been 62 days since PMC Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin begged Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky not to retreat from Bakhmut and to fight until the last, which we had assessed would age like room-temperature milk. In a recent update from his marketing channel, The Concord Group, Prigozhin said, quote, I must clearly say that the enemy, he means Ukraine, is not leaving. They have organized defenses inside the city, first by rail, then in the area of multi-story buildings in the city's western quarter. End quote. The mercenary leader added that issues of command and control, securing the northern and southern flanks, and ammunition shortages must be addressed. PMZ Wagner and Russian VDV forces continued attacks on Ivanivsky, which remained unsuccessful. Ukrainian Deputy Minister of Defense Hanna Malyar explained what Ukrainian officials mean when they report that the situation is under control in Bakhmut, saying, quote, I will open the curtain a little. What is behind the words fighting continues in Bakhmut and how operational decisions are made? 
combat actions are accompanied by the serious analytical work of many people. Decisions are made based on a comprehensive analysis and calculations of the likely development of the situation. The operational situation on the spot is monitored and reported to headquarters 24-7. Staffs continuously analyze the actions of the enemy, she means Russia, and the dynamics of changes in the situation according to many criteria. Guided by the received data, the headquarters predict probable threats and actions of the enemy. Operational information and the analysis made are continuously reported to the command of the Operational and Strategic Grouping of Troops, Hortizia, in the area of responsibility of which the Bakhmut direction is now located. Based on the analysis of changes in the situation, forecasts of the enemy's actions, and assessment of our capabilities, the command makes operational decisions and formulates tasks for units. That is why, when you hear the words, situation under control in the summaries, it is. End quote. Some assessment here. That is a lot of words to explain that situation under control equates to making a plan based on what we know, executing it, and it worked. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News. In southwest Donetsk, in the Avdiivka operational area, numerous Russian sources reported that Ukrainian forces have gone on the offensive on a limited basis. With Russian 2nd Army Corps soldier and mill blogger Andriy Morozov, better known as Murs, writing that Russian forces are now on the defensive in the operational area. Local officials in the so-called Donetsk People's Republic, or DNR, claimed that Ukrainian forces did not advance, quote, one meter, while our favorite FSB colonel, convicted war criminal, Kremlin pariah, and failed Mobik Igor Strelkov-Yirkin, reported that the truth lay between Ukrainian and DNR claims, and that Ukrainian forces are making marginal gains. Our analysts concluded that Ukrainian forces made small gains west of Novoselivka, recapturing high ground. Fighting on the western edge of Novobakhmutivka continued, with Russian attempts to advance on Novokalinove reported as unsuccessful, while Wargonzo claimed Russian forces made small gains. For the third day in a row, Wargonzo also claimed that Ukrainian forces within Novobakhmutivka were shelled. Magyar and his battalion of drone operators have been wreaking havoc on Russian positions southwest and south of Krasnohorivka, acting as surrogate artillery batteries. A video showed a drone not just striking a Russian position, but being guided to fly right through the window of the building they were occupying. There was only occasional shelling on Avdiivka, according to Donetsk Oblast Administrative and Military Governor Pavlo Kirilenko. Russian forces only made limited attacks, with Ukrainian forces reportedly attacking Russian positions near Opitne and north of Spartak. South of Avdiivka, the 1st Army Corps reportedly lost control of the two complexes of trenches a thousand meters north of Vodyana. This is the same area where DNR and Russian Mobiks have suffered repeated catastrophic losses of personnel and armor since late January. The Russian MOD reported a Ukrainian counterattack, adding that it was unsuccessful, which counters our intelligence from Russian and Ukrainian sources. 
the Ukrainian counterattack and artillery support forces the withdrawal. We pulled the line of conflict back to the edge of Odyana last month on our warm-up because in our assessment, Russian forces never had firm control of these trenches. Attempts by Russian troops to advance in the direction of Sieverne were unsuccessful, as were Russian forces' continued efforts to advance from the eastern edge of Perevomaiske. In Russian-occupied Donetsk, rockets fired by HIMARS targeted a Russian military logistics node at 26 Siechkina Street in the industrial area of the Kalininsky district. Photos initially shared on social media, which were later removed, showed the main building targeted was heavily damaged, with the body of at least one Russian soldier in a dingy bivouac and a pile of non-weapons military gear. Russian state media videos were careful not to show the main target of the attack. Local officials claim seven civilians were killed and nine wounded. Carefully curated videos showed up to four civilians killed and one wounded. We have repeatedly documented the 1st Army Corps storing military hardware and placing ammunition depots and firebases in civilian areas. The killed civilians were outside during the attack, by the street near an adjacent building, and were killed by flying shrapnel and debris. In the Marinka operational area, fighting continued in the rubble of Marinka with no change in the situation. New pictures taken by drones show that the last remaining ruins in the city are being pulverized to dust. Russian propagandist Alexander Slodkov provided the frankest Russian assessment of the situation in Marinka to date. It also confirmed our prior analysis that Russian forces are not suffering from an ammunition shortage per se, but have been incapable of shifting tactics as unsustainable consumption of non-precision munitions caught up with supply. Discussing the effort to capture a Ukrainian position, Slavkov said, quote, We spent 1,480 shells and six loitering munitions. He means drones. We stormed the fur farm and gave it back, because our counterbattery combat is not yet at such a level as to ensure the retention of the positions taken with the help of our artillery. That is, the artillery, from Ukraine, hits us and drives us out of the positions we occupied. Therefore, we cannot take Marinka. We advance head-on there as fast as we can. We are moving forward. We are already in the high-rise quarter, an area east of Druzhby Avenue, but we cannot cover it completely, because we are capturing strongholds, but we cannot hold them. End quote. In Oleksandrivka, east of Marinka and on the Minsk II border, PMC Wagner-aligned war correspondent Mariana Batkovna reported that most of the settlement had been destroyed and there was no water or electricity and communication was intermittent. The road she took to get to the village from the Petrovsky district of Donetsk is, in her words, quote, completely broken. She interviewed a 58-year-old retired miner who now cares for his grandchildren while living on the front lines. He told her, quote, here are the parents, grandparents at the cemetery. The war is not a war. They shoot every day back and forth. They have been taking this Marinka for a year now. We are waiting for victory, but don't know when it will be. End quote. Don Nasa shuttered the construction of the Donetsk subway, and it may be permanently suspended due to budget constraints and because, quote, transport problems are a bit different. End quote. Moving on to Zaporizhia. 
Organzo never followed up on his claim of a Russian advance to the city of Juliapola, nor made any additional claims about fighting in the area. Our assessment that the claim was disinformation was accurate. When Zhangov doesn't even repeat your claims of battlefield victory in Zaporizhia, it's pretty obviously propaganda. In Vesele, northwest of Melitopol, Russian troop concentrations and equipment that have been staging over the last four days were hit by rockets fired by HIMARS. Russian occupiers shut down cellular data service and disconnected internet access in the settlement. Video surveillance captured members of Wagner PMC robbing a woman under occupation in Kirilivka, south of Melitopol on the Black Sea coast. Military police refused to take action after she filed a criminal complaint. Another update about Maxim Zubaryev, who was severely injured by a car bomb. Reportedly, he had lost one or both legs and an arm in the blast. His prognosis remains grim. There was no update on the status of the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant or additional readout on Grossi's visit with Russian officials in Kaliningrad, as he continues to try and create a safety plan. In the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa region, Operational Command South, or OKS, reported there were nine vessels of the Black Sea fleet on patrol, with no missile carriers due to poor weather conditions. Pictures were shared on social media showing the Kilo-class submarine on patrol returning to port. In a further sign that Russian forces have suffered unsustainable losses of military equipment, Russian forces have moved military equipment from their bases to the north of occupied Crimea over the past month, according to Brady Afrik, foreign and defense policy research analyst at the American Enterprise Institute. Afrik reported that pictures from Maxar showed that tanks, armored vehicles, and artillery pieces were gone. Mykolaiv Oblast administrative and military governor Vitaly Kim reported that Russian forces shelled Ochakiv and Kutsurub. Residential buildings, shops, and civil infrastructure were damaged, two fires were started, and two people were injured, one requiring hospitalization. In western and central Ukraine, in Kherson, Russian and Ukrainian forces traded artillery and rocket fire across the Dnipro River. Russian forces executed 46 fire missions on free Ukraine, using 258 artillery rounds, mortars, rockets fired by multiple launch rocket systems, or MLRS, indirect tank fire, drone-delivered IEDs, and Fab 500 SE GLONASS-guided glide bombs. The village of Zmeivka in the Bereslav Rayon was attacked by drones, with an IED wounding seven civilians, according to Kherson Oblast Administrative and Military Governor Oleksandr Prokudin. Director of Communications for OKS, Captain Natalia Khumenyuk, said that Ukrainian military activity pushed back Russian forces from the Kinburn Spit, saying, quote, We are working quite successfully, as there is already some information about it, but it is too early to tell about our successes, so the work continues, and we will report a little later. In general, I can note that we significantly pushed the enemy back on the Kinburn Spit. Although once every two days the enemy dares to pull out an artillery system to indicate its presence on the western part of the Kinburn Spit and fire at the Dnipro River estuary, hinting at the control of sea transport routes. 
However, the permanent presence of the enemy is not observed there. End quote. In north and northeast Ukraine, in the Sumy region, Russian forces fired 68 shells and mortars on the Hromadas of Novoslobitske, Seredina Buda, Khluchiv, Miropol, Znop Novhorodske, and Bilopilia. In Seredina Buda, a hangar, tractors, and grain storage facilities were damaged. There were, however, no injuries reported. On the Russian front, in the Bryansk region, members of the Russian Volunteer Corps crossed the border into the village of Slutchovsk. Alexander Bogomaz, governor of Bryansk Oblast in Russia, announced that the Russian FSB prevented the attempt of 20 Ukrainian sabotage and reconnaissance groups. Despite the claim, a video showed members of the Russian Volunteer Corps crossing the border, interacting with residents of Slutchovsk, and returning to Ukraine uncontested. Let's talk about developments theater-wide and outside Ukraine. If you're wondering why the operational area sections of the reports are getting smaller, it's because there are fewer attacks daily. The GSAFU reported fewer than 45 clashes theater-wide, half of them in Bakhmut. The Committee on National Security, Defense, and Intelligence supports dismissing personnel from military service during martial law if their close relative died or went missing. Release from military service would be granted to anyone who loses a husband, wife, son, daughter, father, mother, grandfather, grandmother, or biological sibling. The measure will need to be approved but has broad support. United States officials gave high marks to the capabilities of Ukrainian pilots tested for their ability to retrain for flying Western multi-role fighter aircraft. General Serhii Kholobtsov, commander of the Ukrainian Air Force, said, quote, We believed that our pilots would show their level, and it really happened. The assessment given was quite high, and at the end of the report, that a retraining program for Ukrainian pilots to master F-16 jets could be significantly reduced compared to standard pilot training programs. End quote. Ukrainian musician and conductor Kostyantin Starovitsky was killed. Ukraine's National Academic Brass Orchestra wrote, quote, Today, the orchestra suffered an irreparable loss. Our colleague Kostyantin Starovitsky was killed while defending us, defending the entire Ukraine on the Kramatorsk front. End quote. Starovitsky played bassoon in the orchestra. The National Philharmonic of Ukraine also wrote about Starovitsky's death, quote, A musician, conductor, father, and son was killed in the war. A hero... Kostyantin Starovitsky. Our sincerest condolences to his family, loved ones, friends, brothers in arms, and colleagues. Alexei Danilov, Secretary of the National Security and Defense Council of Ukraine, believes that the inventory of Russian missiles has reached a critical level and has caused a notable reduction in missile strikes. Greece announced they are preparing another military aid package to Ukraine including ammunition for BMP-1 infantry fighting vehicles, small arms ammunition, Stinger anti-aircraft missiles, and 73mm rockets. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent... 
please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.